0: The Final Furlong Podcast is brought to you in association with AtTheRaces.com, the ultimate resource for racing fans.
1: Welcome along to the Final Furlong Podcast. I'm Emma Kennedy, joined by my partner in crime, At The Race's pundit, Mr. Kevin Blake. Hello! Have you recovered from Epsom syrup?
2: Not a butter, not a butter.
1: (laughs) Better than me so. Uh, We are also joined by At The Race's Bloodstock host who has been on... Some would call it work, others would call it a jolly up. Miss Vanessa Ryle.
0: Hello, I did have a very jolly tour of Ireland, but Kevin had to poor Kevin Blake had to recover from Epsom very quickly because I think he landed back at, I don't know, maybe 1 a.m. on Sunday morning, and I landed at his front door at 9.29 a.m. on Sunday morning.
2: <laughs> this is true.
0: <laughs> um, Hello, that's Correct. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, Hang on a second. I was with him. It wasn't... Wait, did it take you until 1am to get back to Golden? Is that it? Yes.
2: Yeah, ah, yeah, okay. Yeah.
1: All right, all right. I was getting a bit confused there. That's fine. And then you had to get up
2: for Queen Ryle. Yeah, you're over the Queen. Half nine on the bottom. Deary or as he,
0: sent a, he sent a text to me, a WhatsApp to me being like, what time can we expect this hurricane?
2: What <laughs> 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 time is Hurricane Ryle rolling into town? Well, that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a fairly... And,
0: And I got to meet his mom and his dad and all the horses, and it was great. I actually had such a lovely trip.
2: I'm just glad you got Willie Blake got to meet you, because he's your number one fan. Yeah.
0: I know. Willie Blake loves Vanessa
1: Ryle. Willie Blake loves Vanessa Ryle. (laughs) Now, tell me this. Is the Blake operation better than the Coolmore operation?
0: Um, I mean, obviously, different is, I think, the word I'd use to describe it. But on a similar level, yes. (laughs) <laughs> Blake's race is pretty, pretty impressive. It is Let to be me fair. Tell you that for nothing.
1: Yeah, it and is. And it's
0: great. It's it's a class operation. Um, but I did also go to Castle Hyde to see nice stallions. But I wouldn't say it was any better or worse than Blake's establishment. To be honest with you.
1: Most importantly, you, you got go. to see the mighty
2: Yates.
0: I did. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Hold on. I so, thought you were. I thought you going to say the mighty Midnight Oasis. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Jesus, come on, Kennedy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> the Queen. Um, they, no, I did. I did see Yates. I saw Star Spangled Banner and Kingston Hill and Holy Roman Emperor after Romanized Win. Um, saw some really lovely stands. It was great. I mean, that operation down there, Castle Hyde, is obviously as you would expect, pretty cool. Mm. And they have a relatively newish manager, a guy called John Kennedy showed me around and then um not gonna lie obviously after doing the professional bit we uh well i went to the pub
1: (laughs) (laughs) i should point out no relation by the way uh let's continue along the budstock theme with the derby uh because a former derby winner in new approach who was owned by her highness the princess of jordan and i believe afterwards was transferred to Sheikh Mohammed. Uh, hit the husband and, uh, and and ran at the godolphin silks then afterwards but really? he, i think that's true i i, I don't know feeling. about that now i have a funny that feeling that happened
2: I kind of remember
1: him ending up running in the godolphin blue, but starting out in the green anyway uh,
2: i reckon you're wrong but i could be
1: wrong okay well we'll figure it out <laughs> along the way but <laughs> so let's... that settled it yeah that's settled that <laughs> it doesn't really matter it's not like well, it's uh,
2: a... if you asked me to have a bet i'd have a bet on my opinion <laughs> okay i'll
1: back mine and uh, the winner gets um lunch the next day all right and we'll we'll, no. we'll... okay and we'll bet fi- yeah bet Bet done, yeah. We'll, okay,
2: we'll, I've have we'll, ju- just checked it. I'm right. <laughs> I should have known when you said bet.
0: Yeah, he was very keen with the old bet, yeah. yeah, okay, lunch I is
1: on be me. Lo- lobsters on me, Blake. Uh, Consider it done.
2: Soft touch, lad. Soft touch. Oh man, <laughs> me. I'm clearly
1: still softened up from Epsom. Clearly. Anyway, Massar was um was a, a stylish winner. Uh, following in the footsteps of his sire new approach to go and win for Godolphin. he was expected to be a big player in the 2000 guineas that obviously didn't really unfold uh, but he's reversed form with saxon warrior in quite some style saxon warrior of course who had no chance in the derby i mean he was drawn in stall one the trends boys were telling <laughs> you all day long he couldn't possibly win we'll deal with him later Massar. Uh, i think almost more importantly than this victory for the horse, who William Buick described as like a Rolls Royce afterwards, is the victory for Godolphin because they badly needed this, Kevin.
2: Well, you, you say badly, you know, the, the, they've actually had a bit of a rejuvenation there in the last year. I, I was looking at some um, statistics there from the last few years, and you know, like it's an operation that that has had its its fair share of of turmoil. Mm. Really, you know, starting off with, I suppose the. Well, um, there was a, there was a few things that led in, but I suppose let me John just Ferguson would be the first. Oh no, it's going back way further than that even. Well, uh, I, but I suppose you, if if you want to go way back, you start Coolmore boycott.
1: Yes, yes. So, know, that so that was, meant that was
2: twelve years of, of self exclusion from from Gallardo tried Sadlers Wells by, Dane by Dane Hill. Hill.
1: Coolmore. Yeah, that meant they weren't. Yeah, getting Sadlers Wells, Hill.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, in terms of untried, they bought a few of them after they, they had success in the race course. But maybe the, the, the origins of of, uh, of the gap be- becoming so wide between Godolphin and Coolmore can be traced back to that. And then you had Frankie Dettori leaving mm-hmm. in controversial um, in controversial circumstances. And there, it took a long time for the rider situation to settle. Then you had the, the Alzaruni thing, which was obviously an absolute um scandal and it took a there was an awful lot of changes in policy and personnel um leading up to to John Ferguson really this time last year chief executive stepping down but to be fair to be fair to them in the last year things have settled down on the race course and um, you know they won I think nine group ones in Europe last season. You know, Rib Chester, Harry Angel, Barney Roy, you know prestigious group ones. Um, James Cummins is is doing very well for them down in Australia since he got that jo- head, the job as head trainer down there last year. And and to be fair to them, for all that the, the race course performance had suffered a bit prior to that, you know, Godolphin or, or Darley, as it would be known as the interpreter of a breeding operation, you know, they've kept pace for Coolmore largely, to be fair to them. You know, you've got the likes of you know, Dubawi, Shamradal, Exceed and Excel, Ifraz, New Approach, Tiafello. You know, they've a bunch of proper sires there um in Europe and elsewhere. So it was just the racing operation that started to lag a bit. But I think that's turn now. And Massar's win was was a big is a big part of that. You know, it, you know, winning group ones is, is obviously very important, but winning the most prestigious group ones is even more important, mm-hmm. and, and that's what this is. Um and the fact that um, you know, Sheikh Mohammed's son was up there, who Sheikh Hamdan, who also owned, of course, DXB the second, and, and Sheikh Mohammed's daughter, uh, Sheikh uh, um, Al Jalila, was there as well. You know, it, it's all important, it's important that it would have been a big boost to that operation. And just if, if you know, no matter what side of you no know, whether you're a cool man or a, or a godolphin man, I think you know, most would agree, even, even if it is through gritted teeth, that competition is good. And I think uh, if you're a neutral, the prospect of, of Coolmore and Buddy Doyle, you are really going back at it, hammer and tongs in, in a really competitive rivalry would be great, I think, you know. And uh, there would be a lot to look forward to there. Maybe this is a false dawn, but you have to remember that this year is the first year in a long time that there will be their sons and daughters of, of Galileo, Scat Daddy, Australia, um, being trained by Godolphin now. So, mm. you know, that, will, that, will, that can only help. And, uh, and going forward, I think there's a lot to be excited about. And that's that's just the bigger picture before we get into the specifics of this race, because I think there is a, a very big picture outlook to be taken for, from this result. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Sorry, Vanessa, just as the season unfolds as well, it's going to be fascinating to see just where all of these horses end up. Um, you mentioned the rivalry between Godolphin and Coolmore, Bally's Oil. Uh, that's been there. I would say that the tension between the two has eased somewhat, significantly. In fact, I would say it has eased an awful lot. Um, one of the reasons I know this is because that Sheikh Mohammed has a private function and Aidan O'Brien was interviewed for that. It won't go public, uh, but a friend of mine did that interview. And first of all, she was incredibly taken with Aidan, but second of all, Aidan O'Brien was so complimentary of Sheikh Mohammed and Godolphin and Maidan and the entire operation. So I think any of the ill feeling that had been there between the two before is very much gone to one side. Maybe that's easier for Coolmore in the sense that they've had so much success in recent years. But the wise guys were making the the very smart comments about um uh, what a fantastic ambassador and what a fantastic leader John Ferguson was when they had the treble on the opening day at Royal Ascot last year. Of course he'd just been binned. And um they are, you know, under Joe Osborne and, and others, definitely getting their, their feet back and definitely starting to reestablish themselves. But that old rivalry, we have Qatar uh, and we have a number of other prestigious owners that are there as well. But Godolphin and Coolmore going at it is really quite something. And if that can come back and be a, a big feature of the flat again, it will generate a huge amount of interest yet again, Kevin.
2: Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be great if it happens, if it comes to fruition. And we'll wait and see. You know, this, this could be a false on, but I think that the potential is there. All right.
0: I think also that just on that note, before we discuss actual runners, is like when, when, when Massa first crossed the line, I thought, well, that's a disappointing result one way or another. <laughs> but actually, I know that's terrible, but I'm just saying that that was my first reaction. But then the more you think about it, the more you think about, again, what we were all saying about what, how, what this means for the bigger racing picture and how good it is for competition, et cetera, et cetera. And I think all the, the things Kevin mentioned about um, when he listed off all the sort of basically blips, bumps on the road that Godolphin have been through in the last 12 years or whatever it is, or, more, or 10 years, let's say, I think somehow it sort of, it sort of tarnishes your view of them somewhat. You know, especially the drug scandal, that obviously was Mm. huge. But when there's lots of controversy and lots of sort of drama, somehow that was all going on whilst Coolmore were just being professional, well, at least to the outside anyway, and I'm pretty sure internally as well. And I think just such a big win like this on the main stage really instills, um, I don't know, somehow some more sort of confidence and respect back to that establishment, I think.
1: Uh, in terms of Masser, he had a busy campaign last year. He went to the Breeders' Cup for the Juvenile Turf. He started his campaign in Maidan. He was a beaten for he- heavy odds on favorite and beaten on the dirt there. When you look at those two races, you wouldn't be exactly thinking Derby winner. And yet, in the Craven, he strided out beautifully and was obviously a very impressive winner. Could you have envisaged him doing this, Kevin, and performing in, in the way that he has and taking after his, his stallion?
2: Um, he wouldn't have been on my short shortlist now, but it's not exactly a, a massive leap into the unknown. You know, he, he had finished only a length and three quarters behind Saxon Warrior um, in the Guineas. He'd been very impressive at Newmarket. He'd beaten Roman Eyes in the scenario. He'd been, you know, up the tails of, of some good horses at John T. You know, if you watch back his run of the Breeders' Cup, that was a storming run behind Mendelssohn where he ended up on the white outside. You um, he look, he's always been a good horse, but did we necessarily think he was quite this good um, Manny didn't um, but I think a combination of factors here and um, the step up and trip certainly suited him and I th- as well as that watching it again this morning I think uh, the quieter ride was a big help to him because he's generally been ridden quite forcefully and uh, he was dropped in to get the trip here and he seemed to really enjoy that the race yeah. went very smoothly for William Buick he gave him a lovely simple ground saving ride, he was able to peel to the outside, he was able to keep it in the Saxon Warrior in the process and the horse bar a brief moment where he got unbalanced just coming into Tatum corner. He handled the track very well. He stayed very straight down the camber. Oh, look, he's ultimately won. Well, he's ultimately won. Well, and you can make excuses uh, for some of those in behind, but it would be a fair turnaround now for any of those to, to have reverse form with him because he, he won. Well, he had the race wrapped up over furlong out for me.
1: And Vanessa, what would you like to see done with them next? Like the talk has been eclipse, now it seems to be Irish Derby. There's been a mention of the King George as well. Where would you go?
0: Uh, I wouldn't be keen on the Irish Derby option. I think it's very tough, as we all know, to go over to essentially Aidan O'Brien's back garden and, and try um, to fo- keep that same level of form when he'll probably have about seven runners. And they're talking about taking Saxon Warrior there. And again, we can go into more detail, it, but I don't think, obviously, Saxon Warrior... I'm not sure he showed his true level of form and back on home turf, um, they look like, yeah, they're going to give him another shot at a derby. Um, so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be keen to see him go there. But then the next best option is the Eclipse, where hopefully we'll see a rematch between him and Roaring Lion. Um, and obviously with Roaring Lion seemingly taking a step forward with every run at the moment, I think they could get quite a lot closer. Um, I w- but I was really impressed with Massar. I mean, it'd be hard. You'd be hard pushed to say that Roaring Lion, you know, Roaring Lion would have to improve a good bit to go past him. Um, and, yeah, I mean, I was surprised. Someone was talking about betting the other day, and I think Massar is a bigger price than Saxon Warrior if he does line up in the Irish Derby, which, I don't know, is that right? Is that Can you really have that? I mean, that's really banking on the fact that you really are banking on Saxon Warrior not having given his running in the derby which I think is probably fair to say to an extent but he was still a good bit behind mm. you know once he was beaten he was beaten like it wasn't like he was a fast finishing fourth closing with every stride he just sort of no, gave you, up a little bit.
1: There was nothing there there was there was nothing extra in it and, and we'll get Kevin's take on him in a second as to, mm. as to why I, I can say that and this is not trying to be uh, sounding like a big time Charlie even though it might sound like that but we just shared a cab with Johnny Mertz on the way back and Johnny couldn't believe he was fourth (laughs) he could not believe that Saxon Warrior was fourth looking back on it Um,
0: what in in terms of he couldn't believe he managed yeah exactly. couldn't
1: couldn't believe he got there couldn't he he, he thought he'd been fifth
0: what's quite interesting I mean Kevin will go into more about his running style I'm sure Um, But what I find really interesting in the aftermath is that they're quite adamant that they want to go back to the the Irish derby and give them another shot at winning a derby, the Saxon Warrior. Because they're, you know, as we well know, Coolmore, when they line, when they are that, they were very confident about Saxon Warrior pre-race. I know it was a little bit of ground worry, but generally they were pretty confident. And his prize said that, and there was no kind of, I don't know, what I'm saying is this is Coolmore and it's very rare that they miss the bullseye when they go for it. And not only did they miss it, but they missed it by a mile. He wasn't even placed. Yeah. And so I just find that quite interesting. They're obviously very keen to give him another shot. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how that goes. All right. But for, well, as for Massa, I think the Eclipse and a rematch with Roaring Lion.
1: Right. I think that race would need that as well. That could be quite interesting if, it, if it were to that happen. Race, yeah, so. absolutely. Um, yeah. Kevin, let's deal with Saxon Warrior, so because he was the high-profile horse going into the race, and, and we'll come back to DXB and, and Roaring Line and even yeah. Hazapor as well, because they both th- those three deserve a mention. St- stall one obviously meant that he had no chance. Uh, you highlighted that on the telly. Was <laughs> on Kevin Blake. Huh? who said he had absolutely no chance. Look, Wild <laughs> Illusion couldn't win. How could this horse go win? Uh, to be fair, there was a stat that Sir Michael Stats had come up with, which I believe was cr- correct. Me from wrong, Kevin. I often am. Um, in races of fields of 10 or more over 12 furlongs, zero winners in the last 20 years from Trap One.
2: Uh, something along those lines. It was 114 runners, I think. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, so no um, chance. And statistically, you would have expected about 10 or something like yeah. that. So. Yeah,
1: so there you go. When uh, Michael uh, Tabor well, gave that interview saying, I've backed him. What an idiot. Uh, no chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vanessa makes a really good point. Tabor saying we've backed him and you know, they like getting stuck in, obviously, um, means they were very, very confident about him. He's gone off an odds-on favorite for the Derby. And he hasn't even placed. None of them have. None of the O'Brien uh, uh, horses have, have managed to place. What a price that would have been. How do you explain his run? He did get hampered three furlongs out.
2: It was just a small bit messy, you know. It was just a small bit messy. As what well, you know, as much as the draw was 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 a small issue, being drawn away from his stablemates just wasn't a help either. Um, he was, he, they may as well have not been there in, in many ways. Um, and he ended. Ryan Moore found himself in a bit of a nightmare scenario a few furlongs into the race, and that he was boxed in essentially by DXB and Massar, Um which was not ideal. And look, the Ray. Look, he he saved ground round the inside. He settled just fine. He had got a little bit edgy beforehand, but nothing that I would have been overly concerned about. Now, to be honest, Um and look, his trouble really started when 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 he turned in because Ryan went looking for room and DXB shut the door on him in very abrupt fashion. Um, and Massar made sure that he made him go around him, and Roar and Line made sure he made him go around him as well. So. Um, it's just not ideal at a track around Epsom. It's very difficult to stop and start around Epsom. It's very difficult to have your stride pattern interrupted because it is so idiosyncratic. You know, you'd rather, you know, what the likes of Massar and, and Roar and Line got to do, you know, peel to the outer and just go through the gears and deliver your challenge. He didn't really have the opportunity to do that. And um, I don't want to make big excuses for him. When he eventually got out, he did got, get a bit unbalanced coming down the camber because he was asked, being asked to, you know, Go from you know third gear to fifth gear very quick, if that's the right way to put it. Um, and look, I don't want to make too many excuses for him, it wasn't lack of stamina to beat him, he kept galloping to the line. Um, it just didn't pan out there in that three furlong to, to two furlong section like you would have wanted, but ultimately, he's beaten four and a half lengths. So, he, I hope these all meet again at the Curra, um, and we get some answers because I know, uh, I, I. I, I gathered that, you know, the, the the Coolmore team would love another crack um with, with this experience under them. And it's a big old length to, to overcome now and to turn around. So I, just with that in mind, I'd love to see it again. Mm. And, you know, if Saxon Warrior would have to step up a, a fair bit from what he did at Epsom to do it, but it'd be fun to watch. You know, I think Massar would take beating myself. I, I thought there was zero fluke about what he did and I thought there was great style about it. Uh, but hopefully they all go. You know, Roar in line may well go back and trip. Hasipor was a fairly clear. non there, he'll go back to ten furlongs. I'd imagine. Um, but Roar in line looked to get home. Maybe he'd be more effective at shorter. But it, it'll be interesting to see what they do with him. DXB looks a, looks a ledger horse. He's run a stormer. And
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, if it came if it came up with a bit of a knees in the ground for the ledger, he'd take right beating. I, I suspect. And um, and yeah, look, I just love to see it again because you know. Thing, excuse me, the current is, is very different from Epsom, and um, I just you know, I'd love to see it again <laughs> in slightly different circumstances
1: Yeah, the, the argument that I was making, and, and I should point out that, thank you very much to Jack from ITV as we go to the footage of Epsom, and I just watch the track live now and we can see Zabriskie just crossing the line now uh, so my selection, <laughs> well, ran on merit, didn't run as a pacemaker got absolutely thrashed so what do I know but, um my point was that if, if saxon warrior was even money four to five at the Curra, i'd happily back him but not at epsom really yeah
2: oh sorry going into the race
1: yeah 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 going into the race but yeah, not, yeah but not, the Irish no, no 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 no. But, but not not at epsom because epsom is such a difficult track it was the same argument that you had for for cracksman uh, as we continue to after time on the final front podcast brought to you by after timing it's a great feeling when you get it right um <laughs> <laughs> are, are you absolutely certain that, that the Derby at the Kura is the right race for him and not to drop him back to 10 furlongs? Like If, they, if he's going to the Curra, and they're sure that they want to take on Massar again, does that suggest to you that A, they feel, okay, this is draw a line through this, we know he's better than it, and B, that the long-term aim would be something like the arc? <laughs>
2: I honestly don't know, and I don't want to get into second-guessing. You know, I'm sure he would be effective over 10 furlongs. You know, he's won a he's shown a fine turn of foot, so it would be a major shock if if that wasn't the case. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd just be interested to see. Just purely as a I, racing fan, I would love to see this run back at the Curra.
0: I just don't think it'll happen, to be honest with you. I think if Massa is committed to the Curra, I think Saxon Warrior could take a swerve because... Obviously, we've talk, we talked a lot pre the race about this horse's breeding and how important it is to to If he's beaten in two derbies, it becomes a bit of a recovery mission in terms of standing him as a stallion, I think, uh, personally. You know, I think not a recovery mission. That's probably an over-exaggeration, but it, it, a little bit of a slippery slope and then he has to win his next run or, you know, if they drop him back to ten furlongs after that. So I think they'd be pretty brave to run him against Massar again if Massar did tip up at the current. But I might I might be totally wrong, but well, that would be my view. On I that. think
1: it's a good point. I think it's a very valid point that you make, Vanessa. And maybe it if he does, it tells you the confidence that they have in him.
0: Yeah. If if we go yeah, back totally.
1: to if we go back to last season, Kevin, and just look at, at two hugely important horses in terms of the stallion operation, and that's the fascinating thing about the flat compared to the jumps because unless you're talking about a mare you're not talking about uh, breeding potential but Churchill and Caravaggio at the start of the season were two incredibly important horses to Coolmore and it all went really well with Churchill at the start of the season until it didn't and he's now standing at stud and he's obviously very important he's a really bull of a horse but he ultimately didn't win again after the irish 2000 guineas carabaggio got his big success in the uh, at royal ascot but didn't win again afterwards as well how important are these victories in terms of the CV? because he has a group one from his juvenile days he's got a group one classic success to him so in a way is it done you know he's, he's his place is assured as a stallion or does he have to go and win another major 12 furlong 10 furlong race later in the
2: season Look, the more he wins, the the better. Like, but we've talked about this before in the pod that I think racing fans, you know, that that aren't necessarily involved with the bloodstock side of things, tend to tend to overthink these things with regard to values. You know, he has to win, or he'll be totally devalued as a stallion. That's just not the case. You know, it didn't matter that Glenn Eagles the second half of his three year old season went to bits. It didn't really matter that Churchills Mm -hmm. went to bits. You know, they had the two year old career, they had they had the classic victories. Um, that had set their price at a level, and it's only going up from there. It's not going down. You know, and that would be the case with Saxon Warrior as well. His He's a racing post trophy winner that was quick enough to win the Guineas. His price is set at X right now, and it's only going in one direction, and that's up. And that's obviously what he does for the rest of the season is important with that regard. But, you know, in many ways, the heavy lifting's already done, you know. So I, I wouldn't be stressing too much in terms of trying to second-guess where they might place him would a view to his, um, would have due to his stallion career because he's won a Guineas. He's won a Guineas. He doesn't need to. He's not a horse that's just won a Derby and has to drop the ten furlongs to prove he has pace. He he has the pace. He's shown that already. Um, so they can just put him in the spots where they they'll think he'll win and enhance himself. And getting revenge on Massar would be would be a fair feather to have. It would, in many ways, expunge the the Derby from the record. Um, in terms of his credentials, because you know you can make the very reasonable argument that look, Epsom just wasn't his track, and here we are back at a much fairer track at the current, and he's beaten, beaten them fair and square. So, you know, there would be value in that. Of course, there would be value in dropping back to ten furlongs. Um, so they they can do what they want. Personally, I'd like to see the Derby again, just for my just for my own curiosity, really. And I'm sure there would be many in the same boat. And at this stage. A fair few of the the, the the main protagonists from Epsom seem to be making noises that would suggest they they want to go to the Curra. So, and we'll wait and see. We'll let them make their decisions. But that that'd be the race I'd like to see. Just from a uh, just from a spectator's point of view, really.
1: And that will be great for the Curra as well. Uh, Doncaster must have been looking for a bucket straight after this race. Oh, oh dearie me! What a what yeah, a touch it would have been. That's tough for them. That really that's is. What a them. touch it would have been if he'd gone in and then you you're building up to the triple crown. You know, first time oh, and
2: not just Doncaster; it would have been a touch for everyone in the racing yeah, media Absolutely. And, and racing in general. It just would have been a good thing, you know. No matter where, no matter where your your loyalties lo- lie, you know, and something like that is on. It, I think it's good for the game. But uh, no, there we go. It wasn't the base.
1: Listen, we've got a horse tra- chasing down the Triple Crown in the States this weekend in Belmont, but you know, we haven't had a Triple Crown winner since the nineteen since nineteen seventy. I was going to say seventies, but since nineteen seventy, so it really would have been some story. So that's a that's a huge blow to the. Media to fans and uh, and to Doncaster as well. Uh, DXB, you reckon it's a ledger horse? Roaring line, uh, uh, Curra ten furlongs.
2: Oh, uh, he could do either job. Like he he got the trip here. He followed the winner, and um, he settled well. You know he, he kept as straight as a gun barrel, which I have to applaud him for, because I was very much questioning whether he'd do that given his history of of going to his left. And he was pretty much dead straight. So. I don't know if that was an adjustment from the saddle an adjustment in something John Gosling did with him but whatever they did it worked and uh, I think he's just come,
0: I think he's just learning with every run that horse mm-hmm. that every run that horse has had he's improved not just as in his actual form has taken a step forward but also you can just see he is definitely growing up as he's going along um I think he he wins the Jubmont further down oh. the line he wins the Jubmont. That's Straight a
1: up. big shout, Vanessa Ryle. I like that confidence. Do yeah. you not know, think that Cracksman could turn up there?
0: Potentially, but um, well, we'll talk about him later. Yeah. Yeah, no, he he could, and obviously he might not I actually
1: mean, because if the arc is going to be his aim, then they could be taken.
0: Yeah, and also well, Enable
2: might turn up there. Probably not though.
1: Oh, she'll I go. Mean, she'll go the, for the like, Oaks, won't she? She'll go Yorkshire Oaks. Nice soft touch again. Nice. Uh, that's if I, she's back in training.
0: I. I mean, basically. Gosden's just going to have a lot of uh, balls to juggle, but uh, for me, Jesus. Roaring Lion. <laughs> <laughs> come on! Funnily guys. enough, That's funnily me. enough,
1: I was going to make an innuendo joke, and I thought, no, I won't do it. I'll be all right. Only for Kevin to come <laughs> along and do it. Uh, one eye catcher from the race for both of you. Uh, aside from Saxon Warrior Massar, anything else that interests you from the race?
2: Um, well, Hazebourgh definitely caught the eye. He he looked the winner, you know. A furlong and a half out, or sorry, two furlongs out. He he travelled great. He was close to a strong pace, um, was a bit too free for his own good. But travelled, got his gap, you know, picked up into the gap. You know, he he's run very well. To be fair, too, I was a bit surprised they rode him as forwardly as they did. Um, I kind of had told you mind that, that Frank you might want to follow Saxon Warrior, given he was drawing close to him. But he, he decided to go more forward. And um, and stamina seemed to let him down. And the other one I'd very briefly mention is Savannah Star. You, you can completely forget about this because he got smashed up um, inside the first furlong um, and went from you know being on the heels of the leaders to being last in, in a very short space of time. So, um, that that is an easy run to forgive. Okay, Vanessa. Uh,
0: probably my takeout horse uh, going forward would be Roaring Lion. I think, but I think. I'm not sure if it, it probably isn't one of the greatest derbies ever. weren't run, but you can make a case for there being five Group One winners in there. Like for the rest of the season, between DXB Roaring Lion, Saxon Warrior, Hasapor, and maybe Young Rascal. You know, if things went right for him, or even a horse like, well, maybe not Knight's for being Group One winner. But I think there's some really good winners that will come out of that race once they. Um, find their trip and a more suitable track, etc., etc. So it's exciting. I think we'll be looking back on this form a lot. But yeah, I think for me, probably Roaring line, Just just taking into account uh, how much he's growing up and how I think drop back to ten furlongs, ten to twelve furlongs for him for the rest of the season. Absolutely ideal.
1: All right, let's switch to the Phillies Classic, the Investor Oaks, the future race on day one. And a brilliant commentary from Richard Hoyles. Four, three, two, one. Forever Together oh, breaks so her maiden in the oaks. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, and a huge success for Dunnick O'Brien as well. His second classic. Kevin, this is something that you talked about with me. Um, let's reflect on that. She beats Wild Illusion and she beats her well. Of course, Wild Illusion had no chance coming out of Stall 1. You're an idiot to come back her. They came in from there. Seriously, this trends boys are in clover. They're loving life. It's like, oh, told you, told you. Um, Forever together. Let's deal with her. She came out of trap three. So, you know, not too far away from (laughs) stall one. And, uh, and and in the end, Kevin, one of the big things about this horse, I think to reflect on is the fact that she was foaled on the 25th of May. So really she's only just turned three. So uh, she cost a fortune, um, when she was, I think it was 950,000, but she's only just developing into the horse that she is now, so you can excuse Chester, and um, I was kind of annoyed that we hadn't uh, reflected on that beforehand, because she's she's now coming to herself, but this was really her bursting onto the big stage, and it was quite the performance.
2: It was, yeah, looked at it. she stays very well, and plenty of stamina on the page, and it, it felt she would stay well, and and look, she shaped very well at Chester. Um, you know, was certainly better than the bare form. How much better was a case for that? you know could be argued on either side of the scale. But look, this was just a massive step up, and she's she's won the Oaks by four and a half lengths um, at her ease. Really, you know, it was a slightly unsatisfactory Oaks just in terms of that they you know they had to come to the stand side, which you know isn't ideal. The ground was was you know, somewhere between good to soft and soft, more than likely. And um and, and this filly just did it very well. She she managed to bag that rail near side and she made the best use of it. And was very powerful in the final furlong And it's a good point to make Emmett about the folding date, you know, twenty fifth of May. Um and just to just to you know not everyone listening I'm sure will be will be aware, but the universal birthday for Northern Hemisphere and thoroughbreds is January first. So Basically, she's considered the same age as as any horse born from from February from sorry from January first onwards in the year she was born. So she could she was given up upwards of four months to to many of these, I'm sure. Um, and it's a big old deficit to give up. Um, you know, anyone that deals with foals will tell you enough that happens in four months. Mm. But she's clearly maturing away the whole time, and this was a big step up. But there was zero fluke about it, um, and given a very good ride by Donica and like Donica. In I know people say I'm biased, but I feel and I'm I watch him very closely because he writes a lot of Joseph's, obviously. I feel that even since Saxon Warrior won the Guinea's, that he has just grown as a rider and grown in confidence, and has given some of Joseph's um, and that, that are not straightforward rides and um, some absolute smashers um, both in victory and defeat. And I ju- I just feel like, and he's only a young fellow, that's he's only 19. Like yeah. I, I just feel that he's Coming to himself, and he's very much at ease with himself now. And I think that that very much came across in the interview. You know, how many how many nineteen-year-olds in that situation would be would be full of insecurity? You know, given the obvious situation with with, with him writing for his father and everything else, and that am sh- you know there will always be accusations of, oh, of course, he's only getting that because he's his he's his father's son, and so on and so forth. But he, he seems very at ease with that situation now. And gave a very uh, a very refreshing interview or two there in, in the aftermath. But I just feel that as a rider, he, he's really flying now. And the pity is, of course, that you know he is fighting what will be uh, an ultimately unwinnable battle with his body. But I'm sure it'll be hopefully a, a couple a couple or maybe a few years left. Yet he's he's at the mercy of when he starts to broaden, basically. You know, as Joseph was. Mm. Um, so we'll wait and see. I don't think anyone could answer that definitively. But he'll keep going for as long as he can, and if he keeps. Um, making progress, if he makes as much progress as he has in the last um, six weeks alone, <laughs> if he can keep that up, um, yeah, he'll be, he'll be riding plenty more, Group 1 winners and Classic winners in that time.
1: He does have an advantage in the sense that he has seen Joseph come through and all that went with that and, and the pressure that was on Joseph. I mean, it, it got to a stage at one point where, if you looked on social media and Joseph O'Brien had just won a Group 1, oh, you only won that because Aiden O'Brien trains it. Uh, and if he got beaten, he'd get slated because it's him. And uh, I thought Joseph O'Brien was brilliant from the front. Like that, that ride, I always go back to that ride he gave Roger O'Connor in the Irish 2000 Guineas. It was just tactically brilliant. Um, and and So is, has not only got the experience of that great quote from his interview with Lydia Hislop, what's your best feature? I made an O'Brien's son uh, with, a, with a wry smile and a sarcastic tone. Like he's got a, a lovely personality, but a, a real talent. And, and um, the fact that he's grown up around horse racing and around some of the best horses and has a work road in some of the best horses as well it means that he has, he has learned and clearly wants to learn and wants to be the absolute best that he can. But that battle, Kevin, if you were to guess, how much longer can he ride for?
2: Oh, sure, look, guessing is really difficult. There'll be a few years in it, hopefully, anyway. You know, if anything, he might be a small bit bigger than joss But I'm just guesstimating now, but um, there's very little in it. Um, sure, he, look, he's doing the right thing. He's a professional, so sure, look, you're kind of at the mercy of nature. But mm-hmm. I don't think these these and Joseph would have been the same. I don't think you can look too far into the future. You just keep going day by day and keep kicking and try and keep things in order. And um, when the when the day comes that it, it's all a bit too much, that that'll be it. But you know, there you go. I think they they both have they both went into their riding careers with their with their eyes open, especially Donica, given that he like you say he would have seen it all happen with Joseph before. So. um That's it. That's it, really. We'll see. A few years, all been well.
1: Uh, Magic Wand, a March fall, forever together, a May fall. This gives you another insight into just how much growth there would be between the two.
2: Um, And and funny enough, I'll just clarify that quickly, because I know it's easy to say, oh, you know, four-month head start, but something that that isn't always necessarily talked about as much is, and I notice, because I've had an awful lot of early folds here over the past few years, is that when a foal is born in January, you know, the foals aren't supposed to be born in January. You know, the reason nature sets up those mares as they do is so that the foals are born in spring or summer when the, the weather is warmer, when there's more grass available, more nutrition in the grass. You know, the fact that they're born in January, they, can, they do tend to progress a little bit slower um, than your, your April and, and May foal because they're coming in, it's warm. There's there's an abundance of, of beautiful green nutritious nutritious grass there, and they tend to catch up a bit quicker than than you might think. You know, it's not as simple as say right four month head start. Um, it's not quite as simple as that, but it is definitely something. And uh, I think most breeders uh, and maybe maybe results like this will turn them around a bit. Most breeders would would be reluctant, um, to cover mares in in June. And and for those that don't know, mares carry for 11 months so if you cover on the 1st of June you're generally due the 1st of May um, and a lot of fellas would, would be very reluctant um, I covered a mare uh, this day last week um, which would you know give a, which would give um, an early May foal all being well but um, I, if that mare doesn't go on foal I might give her one more spin um, we'll wait and see um, it's not ideal, but if that's the situation you find yourself in, I think I'd, I'd be more inclined to give them one more go rather than than skip a year. Well, it worked out well
1: for Forever Together, who is now an Oaks winner, um, having cost an absolute fortune, nine hundred thousand euro as a yearling. Uh, let's get Vanessa's assessment on the race. So, a one three four for Aidan O'Brien, actually a one three four five for Aidan O'Brien, but sandwiched in between uh, the one and three was Wild Illusion, the favourite. What did you make of the Oaks, mm-hmm.
0: Um Well, if I said that I thought that we'd be looking back on the derby form quite a bit and there'd be winners coming out of that in good races, I'm not entirely convinced we can say the same about the Oaks. I think, as we well know from beforehand, there was quite a lot of the main protagonists missing. Um, there was also some other horses that had chances that, you know, swerved one way or another. So, was it the strongest of Oaks? Absolutely not. Was Forever Together a very good winner? Yes. I think she she was very smart. It's hard not to be impressed by that. How could you not be impressed? You know, she scooted clear and she won by, she won, she's won the best classic for the mares around by four and a half lengths. I think pretty much like no excuses for Wild Illusion, I'd say. Mm. I'm struggling to find an excuse for her. Um, she just, you know, she got racing with the winner, a furlong and a half two furlongs out whatever it was and she wasn't able to go with it and she didn't look like she didn't you know handle the track or the camber they were obviously over on the near side of the rail and I don't know I I can't really find an excuse for her to be honest Um but yeah it, it, it's it's great I mean there was some big disappointments like for um Clive Cox and Adam Kirby you know they had perfect clarity in there and she was five to one I think at at the off and she really flopped badly she didn't seem to go a yard to be honest with you she was beaten a long long way out be interesting to see what she does going forward because it's rare that it's not rare but you know Clive Cox is a man that knows the time of day and I got quite a confident vibe off him (laughs) going into the race so um she it'll be interesting to see what she does next also she obviously flopped she was out the back of the field and she won a Lingfield uh, uh, Oaks trial and the Lingfield Derby trial winner was obviously Knights Behold and he was also beaten a mile out. So it's a little, I don't know, that that form didn't come to anything. And but, Vanessa Ryle uh, will be
1: back at Lingfield very, very soon and looking forward to <laughs> yeah. meeting the race course executive.
0: I I love Lingfield, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that this is it's produced good horses, that is, trials. I'm just saying that yeah. this year it didn't, which is a shame. Um, But, yeah, I I find it hard to make any excuses. Magic Wand was the obvious one for me that really didn't handle, uh, didn't, like, sort of rolled around a lot once they got into the straight. She looked like she didn't handle the track very well at all. Um, So she might be one to take out of it. But, yeah, kind of no excuses. Just great for a horse to lose her maiden tag. Great for those breeders because the dam was picked up for 20,000. So it was obviously a real steal looking back. And then as Mm. bred now an oaks winner so great for her she actually not to look oh, at and touch. i know found didn't run in running the oaks but um yeah great touch uh forever together really reminds me of found and obviously both by galileo but not from a similar family but well similar-ish but um i don't know it's just something about her head and her ears. He there's something about her that is she's a very galileo mayor for starters philly and she really reminds me of found and i know found didn't run at epsom or anything like that but yeah, I just looked at her and I thought, God, she's got a look about her. Um, so she's a gorgeous filly. She's gorgeous and it's great for her to have a classic win on her page and that'll just boost everything for that. So, um, yeah.
2: If
1: she can have half the career found had, she will be an absolute oh, yeah. star for Coolmore. Yeah. Um, it is worth mentioning two things. One, for some reason, Sheikh Mohammed did a Clive Cox style dance. Uh, <laughs> he was happy. We should take most on a couple of dances. Like a, a, Clive, Clive, a Clive Britton Clive style, dance. style dance. Sorry, I'm sure Clive Cox can bust the move in the dance floor as well. But yeah, I'm very much thinking of Clive Britton. He did just, as, just as he was being announced on the stage, he started to do like a Tom Jones sort of
0: rendition. I love that. I oh, also it's find it very, It's great. I also love the, the whole three finger thing. So what is it? It's like W for win, L for love, and, and v, for v for victory. victory.
2: Yeah, yeah I've never I love, seen that either. Yeah. I,
0: I've never seen that, but it's just I had no idea what was going on with that. I was like, what is this all about? And then everyone was saying on Twitter and whatnot. <laughs> and I was thinking, this is weird because if I'm being honest, Shake Mo, like I like the three finger thing, but I, if you're gonna do a V for Victory sign, I just want it I want you to do it Harvey Smith style and just do it the wrong way around.
2: <laughs> I thought I, I I thought Shake I thought Shake Mo was throwing up gang signs. <laughs> yeah,
0: <exactly>. Compton, <laughs> nice. y'all,
1: Compton! Up and down the line. (laughs) (laughs) I literally was... I was so... Oh, we've had it right off. Jeff Banks, we've taken you to the cleaners. We've had it right off. Up and down the lines. (laughs) Straight (laughs) out of Dubai. (laughs) (laughs) We got you, Coolmore. We got you. Got your money.
0: (laughs) I honestly... I I did think that this is... That is a great way to get all the things you want to say into one three-fingered sign. <laughs> I just thought, very clever. Also, what was quite funny is, because um, I was obviously over in Ireland for the Oaks and uh, the Derby, and I was at Tattersall's International Horse Trials that they have. And it just like, says says volumes for how big a... Um, you know, how, how important racing is for the Irish compared to the English, because over there at Tattersall's, they... Um, Stop the cross country on all the screens around, (laughs) around, and they and they play the derby instead. And in the main hat and the oaks, and in the main house, they have a massive projector and they put out line twenty lines of seats for everyone to sit in the derby. So on the Oaks Day, like just on the big screen, like it flicks to the Oaks and then everyone watches it and then you flip back to the cross country. But like there's no complaining about that. Like everyone's delighted. Where and the English rides are like, what's going on here? What is going on here?
1: (laughs) What's all it's about? Yeah.
0: And whereas the Irish are like, hey, we've got seven runners in the Oaks, watch.
1: Yeah. And they're (laughs) all trained by (laughs) Aiden O'Brien, throwing it on. Yeah. And
0: then on. On Derby Day, I went into the main hall area in the main house at Tattersall's in Ireland. And yeah, there's just lines and lines of people. And I mean, I thought I was getting there early to watch that second race ITV was showing, but it was full already. And by the time the Derby came out and just everyone was in there, like trappie O'Ryan was there watching it with Charlie Swan and, and Eddie O'Leary was there with all his kids. and like It was great. It was a real like racing eventing mashup. And then, yeah, Shake Mo starts doing his three-fingered salute. <laughs> Fantastic. I know what was
1: going on? Kevin, I now know why we saw those young fellas with plastic bags going up and down the bedding rings that, uh, that were opposite <laughs> us. Now, with, now, the, with, the, with, the, with the little bags. Yeah, with the little bags. Now <laughs> I know what that was all about. Up and down the lines. Uh, well done with Massar. And I suppose, technically, they got the each way money with Wild Illusion. Thoughts with Rory DeLarney, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Jeez. Who put that horse up at 16-1 to 1 in the final Furlong podcast uh. at the start of the season. Thoughts with Rory DeLarge and all who know him. The uh, horses to take out of this race, because it is a good point that Vanessa makes about horses who weren't there. Ladi Dar, uh, September. Clemmie wouldn't have run in this race, but she's another one sidelined. Yet Aidan O'Brien still manages to go and, and win this race. John Gosden obviously training Lottie Dar, but he's got a phenomenal amount of fillies still to come, Kevin. Uh, and that says an awful lot about the strength and depth of his, of his yard.
2: Yeah no look, look Vanessa's probably on the right track here you know this I don't I look, who knows with Phillies but I don't think we look back on this as as a vintage oaks so look it would be great to see those Phillies that, that really had proper form in the book last season when they make it out and clash with these you know later maturing types you know how it will all pan out but I would say you know forget forever together is clearly big time on the improve and has one a classic and great style and um, I'm sure we'll get to find out just how good she is in slightly deeper waters later in the season.
1: Which of these will go for the Pretty Polly and which of them you imagine forever together will go back for the Oaks of the Curra?
2: I'd say so, yeah. you know The emphasis afterwards you know, from, from all involved was that just yes, stays really well, stays really well. So I don't think they'll be coming back in trip anytime soon with her. Of course, it could be wrong, but that was the impression I got.
1: And could we see Hydrangea in the Pretty Polly?
2: Um, we could, we could. I don't know, I can't recall what the plan for her is, but um, good comeback at the cara, mm. and um, perhaps on to, perhaps on the Ascot, and, and then maybe on to the Pretty Polly, maybe. I don't know, I'm thinking aloud, I haven't really given much consideration to Hydrangea.
1: As Desi says, another strong Coolmore team uh, of Phillies coming through. There was, of course, another classic over the weekend, and that was the Kipko Prix de Jockey Club, which was won by the Nyarkos Family Study of Man. If you backed them to level stakes, you would have come out and profit, because he was 4-1. to one. I'll just say that and leave it at that. Uh, he's beautifully bred. He is another by Deep Impact, uh, who actually got a classic win over the weekend, and it looks as though he'll improve for the step up to 12 furlongs. Ark would be in his sights. He'd be fascinated if he came over for the Irish Derby. Not entirely sure that he will, though. Another horse who will have the Ark in his sights is very much Cracksman, who only just got it done in the Investec Coronation Cup. Kevin Blake, uh, a huge win for Frankie Dettori. He said he didn't think he was going to get there until the final uh, five strides, I think it was. Salawan ran an absolute monstrous race for Sylvester D'Souza. You get the feeling if he just cut the nose off Cracksman, he'd have won him.
2: Yeah, as I, as I was shouting in, in the middle of the race, cut
1: the nose off him! <laughs>
2: <laughs> it was hilarious if I can just if I just tell
1: you that w- where we are so uh, on camera you can you can get the idea of the backdrop that we have but um, there's a monitor in front of us and the profanity from Kevin Blake straight after the Coronation Cup was just priceless it was like what are you doing <laughs> what are you
2: doing <laughs> uh, he almost yeah, had I, him I, I, he, yeah and I don't want to knock the Susan too much because he's given the horse an absolute cracker oh, up until hmm. then Um well, we'll just deal with Cracksman for a minute because you know we we talked about it on air, um, we talked about it on the pod last week. Even you know, I I just don't think Epson's his track, mm-hmm. and um, and this I know John Gosden has come out and said he hit his head in the stalls, and and I'm sure he did, but um, yeah, that that might not be correlated with with what transpired once he came out of the stalls, um, because he did much the same thing in the Derby last year, like he. It was a puzzling sort of run in the in the Derby, you know. He he just was off the bridle up the hill. He didn't look all that comfortable coming down it, and it was the same here, you know. Just just it was in a much less congested situation, but and um, for some, he just doesn't like the undulations, the ups or the downs. It seems yeah. uh, at Epsom, he's a very long striding horse with a kind of an unorthodox stride to him, and I'd say he's just going to be seen to be best effective flat tracks or. or our tracks with with gentle rises, and um, because he made awful heavy weather this, and you know, good luck putting a number on this because, you know, has, has Saloan, you know, produced the career best effort? Has he just run his race and the rest are disappointed? Um, it, the truth is probably somewhere in between. But you know, Cracksman, fair play to me, showed a good attitude to get up. Um, but if if Sylvester D'Souza had uh, come all the way across to the stands rail and made Frankie go around him. Um, without the benefit of that rail, it might have been a slightly different result. Um, and I'm sure De Souza, uh, you know, in the moment, he he realised what was going on just a little bit too late, and he brought Sadoan to his right, but it was too late. The gap was there, and, and Frankie seized it. Um, and D'Souza Souza w- would have been annoyed with himself, but he can be very proud of himself if up I till can, that point if I can because just of the ride.
1: Interject, Kevin. I believe there was a quote from D'Souza Souza saying that he had tried to do just that but the thing is that we could see the overhead footage he didn't he didn't do it until <laughs> it was too late like it's it's only when cracksman starts to get there like, like first of all why are you not closing off that rail and secondly
0: just like
1: you've given the an absolute blinder he's finished second in a group one when he's the outsider of the field there's well bar yucatan who's finishing now um you know th- there is an awful lot of praise from him he's finished second in the derby as well he's he's a terrifically talented jockey cut the nose off him it's a group one it's probably the horse's chance to win a group one gone
2: yeah it was ah, look it was it was frustrating to watch I was roaring at him in real time um but again we have the benefit of you know being able to see the whole picture whereas mm. you know Sylvester would have had his head down and been driving um but look there you go it was just one of those things um super horse race. Anyone that that plowed the Cracksman at a super Ooh. short price would have had their trousers filled from a fairly early stage, I think. <laughs> um huh? and, and look, that that's it. You know, I think the the bookmaker reaction to this to push him out to as big as three to one, I think, for the for the, the Prince of Wales, is, is it? Um that yeah. was a mad overreaction, totally over the top. Um I wouldn't use this as a means to knock Cracksman at all. I just think it's indicative that he just doesn't really like this track. And we'll see. We'll see how much because he looked better than ever on his comeback. I thought in the Ghana he said he he travelled better. He was very powerful, um, so I I'd expect him to bounce back to that sort of form going forward. I think I was looking back on my old articles there after this race. I think I made a suggestion in the middle of last summer that he he might benefit from a pair of cheek pieces. I still think he, I still think he would. <laughs> I still think he would. I, I think he kind of loses concentration there in the middle part of his race. Could you imagine and he asking does take...
1: John Gosden? What do you reckon, John? A pair of cheek pieces for him after this? Now for what that's got?
2: Well, it's quite funny. because I'll do a Kennedy on it name drop, but I was having this exact conversation with um, with Lydia Hislop, and she pointed out that John Gosden is always saying like, "Oh, we should be we should be more like the American trainers in Europe that's and right. use blinkers more often." And I, and I was saying, well, you should have you taken your cue there, and said it to him straight away. Well, what about Cracksman? He might benefit from blinkers and see what his reaction would be. <laughs> what do you reckon, John? I, Ascot Gold Cup next I time. Oh, I look, he, he's, he's not as slow as he looked here, no. Um, man. And he looked slow. He looks slow a couple of times last year, um, but he most clearly isn't. You know, as he showed at Ascot, as he showed him, come back in his comeback in over ten. He's just, he's just has a. Like he's, he's an immensely talented horse. I just think he needs a, you know, it's not even a narrow set of circumstances. I just think a, a track with a long straight, you know, ideally level or, or, or steadily rising because he just takes time to engage that big stride of his into in to full overdrive. And once he gets into full stride, he is a sight to behold. Um, but a track like Epsom is just always going to make it. that bit difficult for him to do so. And back on a more orthodox track next time, I expect to see the real Cracksman, and he will be very, very hard beat. So on that
1: orthodox track, it'll be at Royal Ascot and the Prince of Wales, Venice Royal, back down to 10 furlongs. Um, opposition, we're not entirely certain of what the field will be yet, but do you expect him to confirm his superiority in that race, or is he now a horse who is Oh, we haven't used this quote in so long. Do we have the quote, D? Why don't you have it ready? There is blood in the water and the sharks will come. <laughs> so are the sharks going to be out to get cracksmen at Royal Ascot?
0: Um, I think there are some sharks that will think on that latest evidence that they can. But to be honest with you, as long as it didn't come up rattling fast at Ascot, I couldn't see him. I, I-, I can't see past him in the Prince of Wales. I still think he's an absolute... Uh, machine, like well, I won't repeat what Kevin said, but it is that he he is at his best when he's hitting the line in his races, you know, he just takes all that time to get rocking and rolling and when he is in that big long stride of his um, that is when he's at his absolute best but that doesn't happen until the last film of the race and that's what we saw on Friday I can confirm that in a little pub in Fomoy on Friday afternoon oi, watching oi. that, there was definitely some sweat on the foreheads of men
2: <laughs> to say the least
0: <laughs> jesus i thought oh God, this 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 afternoon might be over quite quickly if this horse gets beat um but anyway he came good it's, it's the race of the meeting for me in terms of it from a spectator's point of view
1: oh, 100%. because
0: for all your you know maybe sylvester would have done things differently and 90 percent the way around that was a pretty brilliant ride from him and and Frankie was equally as brilliant um, to get it, to get cracksman up, and thought cracksman he, he really he he has it all in terms of all the class all the ability but that really showed that you know when he wants to win as much as most horses which is great and yeah for me Ascot as long as it's not rattling fast that might be a little concern but i i was nowhere near as upset about that run as a few people were
1: he also might get lucky in terms of opposition because you look at what he's going to take on. He's now five to four, even money, eleven to ten. That's the general price that he is. So that three to one got Thanos like snapped yeah. up straight away. Uh, Poet's word. Hawksbill Rhododendron. Who will probably go for the Queen Anne? I would have thought. Cliffs of Moher. Crystal Ocean. Hydrangea. Hydrangea. <laughs> Why did I say
2: hydrangea? Hydrangea.
0: <laughs> I don't uh, know.
1: Eminent. He's got no chance. Yeah, he wins the Prince of Wales, doesn't he? No,
2: yeah, it's 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 not a division I would set you relate now, is it? No, not really. So
1: going forward, Royal Ascott next. And, Imagine
2: uh, you, you got three to one cracksman about him for that bunch. Oh, yes, that bunch. against that lot, you would be absolutely.
0: Well, like, with oh. only h- half of them showing up, don't forget. You've just read that, you know, like loads of them won't won't get there. Yeah. won't Go there for whatever reason.
1: Of course, the other issue is as well. You probably would have only got a five run.
2: But yeah, probably to but, be fair yeah. But, but still,
1: five quid at three to one. You know, you're making a pro- you're making a bit of cash for yourself. Uh Valkeist <laughs> also won over the weekend. Right, um right. Uh, Cloth of... did you just do a Desi Scal impression of Valkeist Vanessa <laughs> Riley? You did, didn't you? you did. I did, yeah.
2: Where I are you pulling the tea that. from, Kennedy?
1: With a what a tremendous late run, it's
2: Vanessa.
0: I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it again. It was embarrassing. I did that in my head, but it came out my mouth <laughs> by mistake. With a tremendous <laughs> lead vid on the outside, it's Valkyrie.
1: Nah, she's not going to do it. We won't get her to do it. No. Uh, Cloth of Stars, stuffed uh, in the end. Uh, he won reasonably well, too, in Group 2 company, so we'll see what they decide to do with him uh, towards the end of the season. That was also at Shanti on French Derby Day. Uh, that's just about it, I would think. Anything Who else? Who did you just mention there? Waldgeist
0: no before uh, you said Cloth of Stars didn't you
1: yeah you got stuffed
0: yeah I think they have retired him actually on that
1: <sighs> oh that's interesting that's an interesting development for Ryle
0: yeah I'm full of them interesting development so
1: you'll be off to darley <laughs> uh is it godolphin or darley now kevin blake i'm
2: confused they they um, I, I think that they've, they've amalgamated the brands i'm almost certain
1: yeah i thought that so it is godolphin stud now so you'll be off to godolphin stud uh, to go and see him for the bloodstock show and out the races um andrew thornton is retiring from the saddle which is which
2: the, the wardrobe is... fair play too. yeah
1: um there's been an awful lot of talk about his best rides and uh and, and what he's done but he's had a an incredible career and a, and a very long career i like the honesty from him he just got up looked in the mirror and went Nah.
0: yeah i think um credit to him i mean no one i know not anyone's going to come out and say anything bad about some guy who's been around for 20 years retiring but well, we would genuinely genuinely people are very very fond of andrew he comes in here sometimes and obviously you guys have Work with him, I think, on ITV, and Mm. he's got the media gig lined up. And I just love the fact, like you say, that he just decided, yep, that's job done. He's riding his four four already booked rides tomorrow. And someone said to him, Oh, what? But you surely you'll just retire there. And then if you have a winner on the first or the second ride, and you know, that wouldn't be him at all. He's just the grafter. Like he just grafts, like, no, go out, ride the next two. Yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for him. Obviously, we all know we can pick holes or say whatever you want about his style, but. He's ridden over 1,000 winners. It's pretty hard to do, so um, credit to
1: him. Pretty hard to do, Vanessa, in a sport where you're getting jettisoned from horses at 40 miles per hour, and it's not like he's getting any younger either. So he has had a, a tremendous career, Kevin, and, and he does deserve a, a huge amount of credit. I mean, that's just going to be the natural inclination when someone announces they're retiring anyway, but uh, to be fair to him, like He is walking away from the sport intact, assuming that everything goes okay on, on, on Wednesday. And, and he's a fine broadcaster as well. Like He'll do well for himself.
2: Yeah, he does oh, well yeah. on Sunday forum and ITV. He'd be grand. No fear. No fear for him at all. If you can ride a thousand winners um, as a wardrobe, you, you're clearly a very talented fella.
1: <laughs> um, what did you make of the rumours that were going around Epsom on the day that Lydia Hislop had to tackle on Oireachtas UK with uh, with Frankie? Why was all this talk going around that he was going to retire? And, and now he said, yes. did say to Lydia Hislop "I'm going to keep going for you're going to have to put up with me for another five years." Um, actually,
2: look, there was that. rumours were raging there for for a little while even before. Um Derby Day though there was there was murmurings, but sometimes these these murmurings come and sometimes they go, sometimes Uh, they're true, sometimes they're not.
0: I think the thing is to remember in all walks of life that not everything you read or hear is factually correct. I mean that's why the Daily Mail exists.
2: (laughs) But but when you but when you hear someone say Vanessa Ryle hates Irish people, that's 100 percent true. (laughs) Right. this is right. the, this is the same it. Vanessa
1: Ryle who has just come back from Ireland obviously having spent time at Formoy and a Castle Hyde start um, the Derby <laughs> got a viewing figure of 1.8 million, it's the highest since 2013 that has to be good for racing because in of you general.
0: isn't it I heard that that was because of you
2: Yeah, I think they hammered down the analytics and they they gathered that about 600,000 of those viewers only tuned in for the social stable. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I heard that So while we can't take credit for (laughs) all of the viewers, we we can take credit for about 33% of (laughs) them. Oh my God. (laughs) I would
1: like to distance myself from those comments. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i like to heavily distance myself from them but say that I'm very much looking forward to being back on the team for Royal Ascot and, uh, Yeah, ha-
2: Hashtag Ask Kevin, big head uh,
1: Yeah, yeah um, <laughs> o- Although I was disappointed that you weren't able to answer that question about student loans and uh, an American debt, Kevin I thought that you'd be able to nail that one straight away yeah, but, okay. um, I'm,
2: I'm too modest to show my versatility I'm those going fronts. to
0: I'm gonna set up a fake Twitter account and get involved with Ask Kevin and really, really <laughs> like get the juices flowing <laughs>
1: Really get the juices flowing. Uh, Ask us a real difficult question. Is that what you're? Is that what you're suggesting, Vanessa?
0: A tricky, a tricky, tricky question is what I'm gonna throw at you guys.
1: I'm, I'm quite liking. It. I'm up for that. I'm up for that. Uh, nail them. Um, I'll, I'll be em. at
0: Ascot, so I'll come find you. Please do. Unless you're on a roof or anything, I don't like that. It's very inaccessible for the public.
1: Yes, we were...
0: Such as me. We we yeah. were
1: isolated from the public. Um, I'm not entirely sure if that was an ITV decision, uh, just to, to make sure that we we weren't in range of, of, of well, it's the public. Pro- probably
0: because of you and the issue with women that has latterly <laughs> occurred. Um, well, they, had,
2: they, had, they had two security people specifically on duty just to, you know, reduce the possibility of any situations.
1: One of whom I hit <gasps> in the head with a Coke can that I threw off the roof, but... <laughs> that's another story. Um, nice. that, that's, that's a true story, by the way. That did indeed happen. Uh, that's it. Uh, we're done. So we're back at Royal Ascot in, what is it, Kevin? A week and a half? Two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. Wow, that's flying. Uh, looking forward to that. We're also back with another Final foreign Podcast on Thursday which we hope you can join us for and uh, hopefully that will be informative and a bit of fun as well. Uh, Thank you so much for the kind words on social media. Uh, I can confirm to you that Ed Chamberlain has assured me I will have a black hat for Royal Ascot. So the hat should be somewhat better uh, than the one that I had on Derby day. I tried to steal Kevin's at one stage, but he wasn't having any of it. And, (laughs) And that's it. That's it. We can stick a fork in it. We're done. Vanessa, I'm delighted that you enjoyed the trip to Ireland. And uh, I'm delighted that you're going to be at Ascot. Uh, maybe this time you won't blank me like you did at Sandown. Uh...
0: That is so not fair. Totally you blanked me. You were hobnobbing. You were hobnobbing. And I was representing Shadwell.
1: <clears throat> you, you, I'm I I sorry. Pre- I'm sorry. Why were you representing Shadwell?
0: I wasn't really. I was just there, and I and I, I was there with someone who was, and so then I took the lead on the representation role, <laughs> um, which went down really well.
1: Enjoying obviously. their hospitality uh, <laughs> while I enjoyed. I just
0: basically just took the owners and trainers badge and went into the bar, and then turned no. on when we looked like we might have a group, one, a group two winner.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. That's that's not a bad way of doing things. Um, so yeah, you're there for Royal Ascot, uh, as are we. We'll have a Royal Ascot preview for you coming up very very soon. <laughs> On the final Furlong podcast. Uh, we'll have a weekend preview coming up as well. So, with that in mind, from Vanessa Ryle.
0: See you later, guys.
1: From Kevin Blake. Good luck. And from me, Emma's Kennedy. We are back with you later during the week. <laughs> that was a very good luck uh, from Kevin. We're back with I you during the die. week on the final Furlong podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great week. It is a beautiful day. The sun is shining. Long may it continue. We'll talk to you very, very soon. <laughs> you because, love talking.
2: <laughs> because,
1: well, I'm just looking outside and I'm thinking, I'm on this podcast and I'm doing this with you two, uh, missing out on, on getting some sunshine. And lo and behold, it'll probably be lashing rain tomorrow. So I may as well say it now. But uh, hopefully that,
2: that, that, could be, that could be your new hashtag. Hashtag Kennedy Loves Talking. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad shout, that.
1: Not a bad shout at all. <laughs> it's uh, it's just British. as true as
2: Kennedy loves women. In, in, in <laughs> other news,
1: uh, we're also still waiting on the latest developments between Trump and uh, North Korea, but that's for our oh, Final <laughs> Forlum <Furlan laughs> podcast, Jesus. Extra oh, Podcast. Right. Uh, we'll talk to you later on. Thank you very much for listening. Take care. God bless.
0: Have you downloaded the free app, The Races app yet? With easy-to-use race cards and form, expert daily tips, plus video replays and in-app betting, it's the app that no racing fan's phone should be without. Available for free on your iPhone or Android mobile, visit attheraces.com forward slash app for more details.